Father, we just thank you for Dave. Thank you for his faithfulness. Thank you for using him as your mouthpiece, Lord. We pray that you open our eyes, ears, hearts to receive from you today. We pray that you bless Dave, you protect him, you uplift him, you fill him with strength and with your mighty spirit, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Nikki. Morning, everybody. Great to have you with us. Those in the room, great to have you joining us online from those around the world. I saw for the first time, I think, someone joining us from Ghana, so welcome, whoever you are. Um, It's great to gather around God's Word. And we step into, as Nikki said, we step into July. I know Yasmin's enjoying July because it's the middle of Wimbledon and she loves Wimbledon, so I don't need to ask what Yasmin's been watching in the the week this week. Um, But... The sun is shining, it's a glorious day, and we step into a new theme. In in July, we're stepping into a theme of dreams and visions. I wonder how many of us dream. I wonder how many of us remember our dreams. It's funny when you get a conversation over a cup of coffee with people, say, oh, I had a strange dream last night. And somebody will turn to you and say, well, I I don't think I ever dream. You know, and we, we have a strange whole spectrum of dreams Some people dream, and my understanding of something of what's going on inside our minds is that our minds are processing the things that we have learned and and thought through the day. And that's one of the reasons why I understand and believe that little children sleep a lot and older people sleep a lot, because they've got a lot to process. I don't know whether that's true. I might be completely wrong. It might be a complete myth, but it feels nice. And so I want to bring as the first in our theme today, Dare to Dream. Can we dare to dream? There's plenty of stories in the Bible about dreams and visions. Let's start with the one that we all know so well that you could probably sing some songs to go along with, which is the story of Joseph. In Genesis 37, verses 1 to 4, it says this, Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilphah and his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also he made him a tunic of many colours. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. So, there's Joseph. Not liked by his brothers, special son. And as we know in the title, Joseph, coat of many colours. Anybody name a colour in the coat of many colours? Yep. Yep. Yes, well done. And I'm sure you're already, if anybody's ever sung it, you're probably already singing along, red and yellow and, and off we go. So, he was a special son. And the first thing I want to start off this, 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 after, is it this afternoon, yes it is, no not quite, um, this morning, is you're special. Just like Joseph was special to his father, you're special to our father. You're special. And in being special, you're unique. And being unique, there's no one else like you. So let's view Joseph's story as a special child of God. In verse 5, it goes on to say, Now Joseph had a dream. 
And he told this to his brothers. And they hated him even the more. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There were binding sheaves in the field. There, behold, my sheaf arose and stood also upright. And indeed, your sheaves bowed down all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even the more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still yet another dream and told it to his brothers and said, look, I've dreamed of another dream. And in this dream, the sun, moon and the 11 stars bowed down to me. And so he told it to his father and to his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. First thing I want to say to you is, there are dreamers. Uh, I, I have actually performed in Joseph in his Technicolor dream coat, and I remember there's a moment in the musical when we shout out, here comes the dreamer, here comes the dreamer. And you've probably got friends who are a bit like that. They're always in dreamland. They're always, you know, you ask them a question and they go, what? Pardon? They're away. Sometimes we might say away with the fairies or you know, they're somewhere else. They're not in the room. They're, they're physically in the room with us, but they're daydreaming. They're thinking about something else. And the thing I want to say to all of us this morning is there are dreamers. That's a statement of truth. And when I'm talking about dreams here, I'm not always talking about night dreams. I'm talking about have a concept, a picture of who you are and where you're going. Because one of the reasons I believe the sons, the brothers hated him because of this dream was because a dream gives us hope. A dream gives us a forward purpose. Whenever we describe ourselves, we typically describe ourselves from our history, where we've been, what we've done, what, what we studied, where we lived, what jobs we did. That's how we tend to describe ourselves. We look back, we look in the rearview mirror. Now, let me just ask you a question. For those drivers in the room, for those drivers at home, how many of us drive our car by only looking in the rearview mirror? Nobody does. Okay, we do look in the rearview mirror from time to time, sometimes just to see whether we made the right decision and to see what's going on behind us. But we really drive looking forward. And that's where I want to set a picture today. I want to say, okay... Let's get a dream. Let's get some hope. Let's get some purpose. If we're always looking backwards, if we're always looking about where we've been, where things have gone wrong, where, things, where our hopes have been dashed, hope is gone. Any hope in the past is in the past. Any hope for the future leads us to a place of momentum, of destiny, of purpose. And that's what I believe dreams are often about. Dreams are often about calling us forward. If as a small child you had a dream of a particular birthday present, you'd ask your mum and dad for this present all throughout the year, and then you wake up on birthday morning. You don't lie in bed as a little child, kind of going, I'll wait and see what happens. You don't think back and think, oh, I didn't get the present I wanted last year. You leap out of bed, you run downstairs, probably at four or five o'clock in the morning, and you, you, you then want to wake up mum and dad because... The, you want to open your presents and you look at the presents and you think, oh, 
Are you so excited? Because there's anticipation. It's hope in your heart. Dreams give us hope. So I want to encourage you, get hold of your dreams. Listen to God, hope and believe. Now I, I guess there's a question that we're asking here is, okay, this dream that David, this, this dream that Joseph had, did he know it was a dream from God at that point? Was it just a dream? Did he sense that it was something that God was showing him? Because there are times when we have dreams and we don't know whether they're quite aligned with God. And when I'm using the word dream now, we have a dream to do something, to be something, to to have achieved something. We're not quite sure whether that's a dream from God or just a nice idea from us. Do you know what? I would encourage you, as I believe Joseph did, he brought the dream back to God and said, Lord, if this is from you, show me, confirm it to me. So we align our dreams with what God is saying. We bring God's perspective. You know, what, what has God for, got for us in Jeremiah 29, verse 11? It says, God has good for us, plans for us, purposes for us. Well, let's align ourselves to those plans. There's nothing wrong with having healthy, wholesome dreams. Let's say, for example, you wanted to go and watch your favorite team, whatever your team is. You've never been before, you've never been to the grounds, and you want to... That's a reasonable dream. It's not unhealthy or unwholesome. You know, and the day it happens, you'll be sitting on the edge of your seat thinking, I'm here, I'm sitting in the grounds. Um, uh, a, a young man who used to come to our... She's no longer a young man, and she's... Um, but Alex, who used to be part of our youth group, um, he went to the new Spurs stadium, and I'm a Spurs supporter. And uh, I didn't get to go. That's, that's okay. I've never been to the new stadium. But he brought me back a shirt. So at least I've got a shirt to say, I, you know, the shirt has been to the stadium. <laughs> now, there are other dreamers in the Bible. Another dreamer would be David. And let me just read to you something here. This is why I think dreams are important. In 1 Chronicles chapter 17, verses 4 to 7, it says this. Now it came to pass, when David was dwelling in his house, that David said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in the house of Cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under the tenting curtains. Then Nathan said to David, Do all that is in your heart for God to do, for God is with you. God had shown David something about worship and, 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 and the tabernacle. And so he shared it with the prophet Nathan. He goes on to say this, But it happened that night that the word of God came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, You shall not build me a house to dwell in, for I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought up Israel, even to this day, but have gone from tent to tent, and one from one tabernacle to another. Wherever I have moved about with all Israel, have I spoken a word to any of the judges of Israel, whom I've commanded to shepherd my people, saying, Why have you built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus you say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I look you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people of Israel. Now David had been a shepherd. He'd been a faithful shepherd. And now he, he wants to glorify God and he wants to build a house of God. 
And he shares it with the prophet. And the prophet brings God's perspective. Nothing wrong with dreaming. But now we get a shaping of, uh, of the dream. Now we get a nudging. David listens. David pays attention. David, David also, when he was troubled, would use um, his dreams and his hope to drive him forward. In 1 Samuel 30, uh, at the end of verse 6, it says this. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. He took hold of the promises. He looked back and said, God, you have been faithful, and I believe you will be faithful in the days ahead. Something I think I can honestly say to you is this. We will not fulfill dreams that we choose to let go. I am sure most of us in the room probably have or had at some point a dream to do something, to be something, to go somewhere, and we've laid it down. Well, really very, very unlikely that dream's going to be fulfilled. And I, can, I, I am absolutely sure that we know people who keep on telling us about their dream, their aspiration. There's a beautiful story in a book called, um, by, by Rob Parsons called The Heart of Success. And he talks about how um, a young disabled man that he knew um, wanted to build... And uh, an, an assault course for disabled people. So you know the kind of thing I'm talking about now, the kind of thing where you pull yourself up ropes and you, you go across high wires. And, you know, and, and everybody around him stood around him and said, you're crazy. You know, how can we have wheelchairs up in the air and things like this? So anyway, he found a wife, they got married, and they both had the dream to create this assault course. And they bought a house and they did it up and then they sold that house and bought another house and did that up. And then they had enough money to buy some land and they bought some land and they built this assault course. This assault course is still there in Northamptonshire. It's a place where you can safely take disabled people around. You can even take... I've seen pictures, I've never been to it, but I've seen pictures of blind people walking down rope walks and I just think, wow, what must that feel like? Or, or are they un completely unscared at all because they have no idea that they're 40 feet up in the air? I don't know. But I find it fascinating. He had a dream. He and his wife had a dream. And they did not put it down. It took them nearly 20 years to get there. But they got there. They built this assault course and it's still there. And it's the legacy that they will leave behind when they pass on. Hold on to your dreams. They speak of hope. Another story in the same book that I talk about, The Heart of Success, Rob Parsons talks about his dad. And I don't know what your attitude when you have a dream to do something for God. But his dad was a postman. And he caught his dad one day polishing his shoes. And I don't just mean polishing. Most of us probably polish our shoes, probably less than we used to. But he was polishing his shoes. And he watched and he observed his father polish the soles of his shoes. Now most of you are looking at me thinking, that's a bit strange, that's crazy. And Rob said to his dad, he said, Dad, why are you polishing the, the soles of your shoes? No one will ever see them because they're always down. He said, son, 
I am delivering the royal mail. And he said, maybe the queen will not see that I'm polishing my shoes, but I'm going to be looking the best that I can possibly look in all directions. He said, that's why I polish the bottom of my shoes. And I thought, it's an interesting thought. What's our attitude? We're messengers of the king. You know, some of us will be part of fulfilling other people's dreams. Some of us will be part of fulfilling other people's prophecies. I might take you back and give you an earworm right now, but here's two great quotes that I'm sure whenever we talk about dreams you think of. I have a dream, a song to sing. Where does it come from? Abba. Abba, yeah, absolutely. And then another very, very famous person said, I have a dream. Martin Luther King. See, I don't, I don't even have to prompt you. And you're not, I, I don't know whether you're ABBA experts. I mean, maybe Yasmin is, but we all probably thought, yeah. And now you're singing, I have a dream. And now that earworm is stuck in your head. But that's what I wanted to do. I want you to have that song in your ear today. Because I want you to get to a place where you can say, I have a dream. And if you don't have a fresh one, maybe you've laid it down. Maybe you need to pick it up, check it out with God. Maybe time has passed and it's not biologically or clinically possible for some of those dreams to happen. Well, okay, ask for a new one. Let's pray and see. Because the Bible is full of dreamers. And I don't think it's unreasonable. Say, here comes the dreamer. I think that's a really positive thing. I think some people are kind of going, he's away, he's, a, he's away somewhere else, or she's away somewhere else. If you've got a dream, tell someone about it. If you've got a dream, share it with someone. Keep on sharing it with them. Because I'm pretty sure that's what happened with Joseph. Joseph just didn't tell his brothers once. He told them again, I had a dream. He told them again and again. And they were not just frustrated with the story of the dream. They were frustrated with the fact that he had a dream in the first place. And then it was a dream that had hope. And I hope that every one of you has a dream that will give you hope. I hope that you have a dream that you can share with a few people around you. And they can pray into that dream. And they can journey with you. Many, many, many years ago, um, Shola, who's a good friend of ours, who will be coming to speak in September. Um, he's now based in Berlin with his wife, Kumbi, who's just celebrated their wedding anniversary. And um, he shared at the men's breakfast how he had a dream to play golf. Well, it's not, uh, it's not, it's not wrong to play golf. It's, it's healthy. You get out. Some people describe it as a long walk spoilt. I don't know whether that's true. But anyway, Shola said, I have a dream to play golf. He said, I feel it's a nudge from God. And so some of the men decided, so we're going to be part of this. So he put some money together and said, there's some money for one club. You know, we, we, so we contributed to this one club. Shola learned to play golf. He learned to play golf in an incredibly short amount of time. He got to a handicap very, very quickly. And he started sharing his faith on the golf course. And here's the interesting thing. He didn't know this at the time, but some of the business meetings he then had to have, have ended up being on golf courses. He was ready, prepared, and we were part of it because we bought that golf club. 
There's nothing better than being part of someone's dream. When somebody says, I've done it, I've got my degree, I am sure you can think of people who struggle to get degrees, maybe, you know, or, or come from families whose parents never had degrees, and no, nobody's ever been to you. They're the first person to go to university. When they then come home and say, I've got my degree, there's been quite a few messages flying around on my Facebook account in the last couple of weeks because students I taught are now collecting their degrees. And they're all excited about And some of them are from countries abroad. And uh, the fact that they're there... One particular student I think of, she comes from Kazakhstan. And she comes from a less wealthy family. She said, if it wasn't for the fact that I'd won a scholarship with the government, I would never have done this degree. So we didn't have the money to to do it. She was such an excellent student. Such an excellent student. I, didn't ha- I hardly had to supervise her at all. And maybe I shouldn't say that. She was such a, a brilliant student. Such a brilliant student that she produced the best paper of the year last year. Such a brilliant student that the university that I'm teaching at has put that forward as a paper to be presented at a research conference. And when I said, OK, why did you select that paper? So we've never selected a paper before. We've never selected an a, a, a master's student paper before to be presented at this particular conference. So this is breaking ground. I'm having to have conversations I've never had to have before. And as I was having this conversation on the phone, only on Friday, they said, well, we, we don't know whether we're going to be able to get the airfare for her to be able to come from Kazakhstan to the UK. And I'm sitting there thinking, OK, here's a student who could not afford to go to university. He got sponsored by the government. She did the best paper she could ever do. I think an airfare is this in the, in the plans of God. And so I, so I messaged her on Friday and said, are you interested in coming? You know, if, and she said, well, I don't know how we're going to get the airfare. I said, let's believe for that. Now, she's not a Christian, but I'm saying, let's believe for that. I'm bringing my faith into the conversation. I said, let's believe for that. The academic um, tutor who was involved in the conversation on Friday, she said, well, I don't know who's going to pay the conference fees. I said, well, let's believe, you know, let's, if, if this is all going to line up and this dream is going to be fulfilled... Let's believe that the airfare will be paid, that the accommodation will be paid. Let's believe for it. And the academic tutor went, yeah, let's do that. This is a first. This is a first on so many fronts. Let's believe it. So I'm sharing that with you. That's a journey I'm on with a student I'm studying with. um, And who knows what will happen? But I'm believing for the airfare to be paid. I'm believing for the conference fees to be covered. I'm believing that the tra- other travel costs will be there. And that's what I'm praying. So let me ask you the question then. Are you willing to dare to dream? Are you willing to get a hold of your dreams? Are you, like Abba, going to say, I have a dream? If it happens to turn into a song, that's fine as well. Or if you have a dream that's going to change history, like Martin Luther King. Let me encourage you, don't put it down. Just imagine a world where that speech had not been made. I can't even work out what the world would be like. You know, it's a foundational moment in time that changed our world, a moment in history. And not every one of our dreams will change the world's history, but they will change ours. So let me pray. Father God, you've given us brains to think and to do and to be. And Father, those brains, when they rest, and sometimes when they're on pause, 
They create great ideas. And so, Father, I pray that you'd help us to be dreamers again. Dreamers for the future. Dreamers and believers and hopers for our friends and our neighbours to come to Christ. Dreamers and hopers for a better world. Dreamers for a life that is being changed. And dreamers that have hope in our hearts, which we share with others, and bring to pass that which we've aligned to do with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Do you want me to do the notices whilst I'm up here, Lynn? Yeah, okay.